0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We praise the resurrected King and we thank you that you're working in us. Uh, and and ask, Lord, for that ministry today that you indeed would work in us through your truth, through the power of your spirit, I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. If you were here last week, we had the, oh, man, if you were here, we had the uh, kids lead the worship, and uh, I don't know about anybody else. I was having a great time. I really enjoyed that, but I I felt like I had to point out the, the, the one fellow that was up here was Jeremy's son, I I feel like I should point out he never got one word wrong last week. Did you notice that? I'm I'm harassing Jeremy, and I should not be because I do not do near enough to express how much I appreciate him. And Dave is up here today, but all those of you who participate and lead in worship, uh, I do not I can't find one where he went. But uh, but the uh, I so much do appreciate that. So I'm um, I'm harassing him, Jeremy, my friend. We can do that a little bit. But his his kid. I thought too. Uh, I probably ought to pray the same prayer Connor prayed last week. Every week. I don't know if you remember, but he said, Lord. <laughs> Maybe may Pastor Dan's sermon be good <laughs> yeah <laughs> real simple right to it let let's let's go with it so uh, we'll pray about that well I'm a little extra excited is that possible today uh, about the message it's been a while since we have been working our way through a book of the Bible most of the time over the seven years that I've been here that's what we've done is we said hey we're going to do a study in Mark and we're going to go uh, to the next chapter in Mark or, or we did Deut- Deuteronomy and some different things like that. But really since last fall, we've been jumping around a little bit and doing some different kind of sermons. But our message that we're going to move forward with is this whole idea of Be the Church. And if I didn't go to the book of Acts and say, hey, we're going to take and spend some time in the book of Acts for Be the Church, then I should be fired or at least taken outside and slapped around a little bit because, I mean, that's just so perfect as we look at this book today. See, because in the New Testament, uh, this is the book that really uh, just gives the history or the story of the beginning of the church. And we're, you know, we're going to look at that and uh, explore the first eight verses today, but just have a good time. So for several weeks, I'm going to keep saying, okay, we're in the book of Acts today. And uh, we're going to have a, a great time with that, asking the Lord uh, to teach us what it is that uh, we're supposed to be as far as the church is concerned, moving, moving forward. Okay, so... Uh, First idea that I want you to think about with me before we even read our first verse is that as we look at this book, which is a book of history, so it's telling the story of what happened, uh, we have to determine, are we looking at this book as prescriptive or descriptive? What I mean is, it's telling history, so is this just to give us the information? Or is it prescriptive? In other words, this is what they did, so therefore this is what we should do okay that's the question now this is kind of uh this is seminary class 101 okay where you're here for your first day of the study of the book of acts that's what they're going to tell you we need to determine if this is as we read the book of acts is it supposed to be that we're following what they're doing in every way or is it just that they're just telling us what happened and my answer to that i think i would circle the word and i would say it is both now In other words, not everything that they did is like, okay, we're supposed to do that. For example, at the end of chapter 1, we won't get to these verses today, but there's the story about when Peter stood up and he said, hey, you know what? Judas is gone. He went out and hung himself. We need a replacement. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to get a couple candidates together, and then we're going to cast lots. And that's what they did, and they picked a guy by the name of Matthias. Now, some of you have never heard of Matthias because that's the only time he's mentioned in Scripture, but they picked this guy, and they did it by casting lots. Now, that would be like, okay, if we're going to practice that, then let's say I kick the bucket, uh, and you're looking for a new pastor, uh, wipe the smile off your face, but, uh, and, and, but, what we're going to do then, we're going to line up some candidates, and we're going to throw some dice. Okay, mama needs a new pastor. Okay, and, you know, we're going to roll that, and that's how we're going to pick the new pastor. Or we need deacons, uh, or we need an elder, or whatever like that. Hey, let's let's cast a loss. Let, let's decide. Let's put the names in the hat and draw them out and, and see where that goes. Now, we're not going to follow that pattern. We're going to look at Scripture and see if that fits in with all of Scripture, and we're going to see. We're going to say, okay, that told us what happened. But we're not going to exactly do that. So as we go through the story, keep this in mind that we're going to find some things and we're going to say, hey, this is the pattern of Scripture. This fits with God's teaching. And there's going to be some things we're going to say, hey, wait a minute. They told us the story, but that doesn't mean we're supposed to follow their example in that way. All right, you ready? Verse number one. Let's jump in here. Uh, Actually, verses one and two. In the first book, obviously, whoever wrote this had written something else. But he says, Oh Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. In the first book, buddy, I told you about Jesus until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So it starts off here, the writer of this book that you may, know, may or not know to be a guy by the name of Luke. And he is writing to this guy by the name of Theophilus. So we know that this is written from Luke to Theophilus. Luke has also written one of the Gospels. And some of you may know that Luke's, Luke's profession is or was. He was a? As some of you know. He's a doctor. That's right. Uh, and uh, now, whatever vision you got when I said Luke is a doctor, you probably need to erase it a little bit because doctors were not viewed in that culture the same way as they are today. You think a doctor, you oh, doctor, okay. Uh, You know, probably, first of all, he's pretty wealthy, everything like that. In that culture, it it was very different. In fact, it is believed that Luke probably at one point somewhat belonged to Theophilus. Okay, now Luke was highly intelligent, and uh, they say even in his writing style in the Gospels, that comes across that he was very intelligent. He had a good vocabulary and things like that. But he was not, you know, you think of us as somebody who's wealthy and powerful in that way. In fact, he probably belonged to this guy whose name is Theophilus. Let me just say for a second here, great name, Theophilus. Uh, the Theo is for God. We have theology is the study of God, so it's God. And then Phyllis is part of one of the Greek words for love. So his name actually means lover of God. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. I don't know why that hasn't caught on. A bunch of little Theophilus are running around here. Uh, I think somebody, next baby born here, Theophilus. But but the idea is that uh, Luke probably then, who was a physician to this man, was sent by this man, Theophilus, who was probably wealthy, uh, to go with the Apostle Paul. But I want, as you're doing that, you can take care of Paul and minister to him. I'm commissioning you to do that, but I want you to tell me about what's going on. So Luke wrote back to him, and he wrote the accounts, he said, in the first one of the story of Christ. And now he's writing, uh, if you want to say it like this, we could say he's writing the story as it continues. Because the Gospels is the story of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, where he paid completely the price for our salvation. But the book of Acts is that idea of the continuing work Of In fact, the the title is the Acts of the Apostles. We might even throw in there the Acts of the Apostles uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit going forward. But this then is the continuing work that God is doing. Now, if I was going to write about that, I would say the resurrected king, the finished work, is resurrecting me. If I remember, we just sang that. Okay, Uh, but that's kind of the idea. The finished work, the resurrected king, now he is working till continuing to resurrect me. That's what he is writing about in the story. Okay, next verse is uh, it says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So after the resurrection, Jesus, if you want to say, hung around for 40 days uh, teaching and appearing to different people. Uh, The the small groups that are following through the uh, sermons. Uh, One of the things I'm going to ask you to do this week is to look at some verses in Corinthians that talk about all the different appearances of Christ during this time. That he appeared to this group and this group, and at one point he appeared to 500. And how many different times Jesus appeared that this is... You see, because this is that foundational miracle. I've said this before. This is the thing that sets Christianity apart is the resurrected king. That he is resurrected. He's not in the tomb anymore. Okay, so this is foundational. It says, hey, we have so many proofs. In fact, one translation uses the the word, we have so many uh, infallible proofs uh, that we cannot argue with. And here is this group of men that when Jesus is crucified, they are scattering, they are scared out of their minds, they are running, they are denying. But after the resurrection, after that proof that he was who he said he is, then they are willing to lay down their lives. And that's what happened to the disciples. Uh, All but one actually was martyred, and that one died in exile. They were all willing to lay down their life and get. If they had just decided, hey, you know what? We're looking kind of bad about Jesus dying, so let's make up a story that he's resurrected. So they made up this lie. Do you think they'd have died for their lie? It doesn't really make sense. That resurrection then becomes this cornerstone, this foundation for the church. And there's so many proofs. For 40 days, he's been hanging around here, and he's been appearing. So there is eyewitness after eyewitness after eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's going to be the foundation for the church. Moving on, then. Uh, While they were with them, he ordered them, I'm sorry, while staying with them, Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, uh, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want us, there's there's probably several different ways uh, or several different important things we could glean from that verse but I want you just to think with me about the importance of this pause. Now, what I mean is, Jesus had already given the Great Commission. He had said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and make disciples. He'd already said to do that. Uh, I mean, when the resurrected king, the one who'd walk with him, the one who said he is the Son of God and then proved it by walking out of the grave, uh, that, uh, I mean, you listen to him, right? And he said, go, but now he says, no, don't go yet. I want you to wait. Now, if ever. I just want you to consider this. If ever there was a group of people who should have been ready to go minister, these guys had just spent at least two years in a little small group with Jesus traveling around and learning from the King of Kings. If ever anybody should have been ready to go and take off into ministry, it should have been them. And yet Jesus says to them, No, you wait. You wait because you, I want you to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Charles Stanley said this. He said, if the Christian life were simply a matter of doing our best, there would be no need for the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the idea of Jesus, the the significance of that pause is, if you're going to live this life, you need to do so in the power of the Holy Spirit moving forward. Now, a couple more verses here before we get to what is the key verse of the day, and in fact, the key verse of the whole book. Uh, It says when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Okay, this is kind of the same old, same old for the disciples. They were always about this. Remember when they were following Christ, even before his death and resurrection, many of them they were waiting. Okay, you're going to free us from Caesar, Right. You are going to get this Roman Empire off our backs. You are going to restore the kingdom. That's what's going to happen, right? We're going to, we're going to win this thing. And Jesus would have to constantly remind them that his kingdom is not of this earth. He had come to establish his kingdom in the hearts and lives of his people and to kind of get their focus back going here. And what he's saying here is it's not about the when, but I'm going to tell you in a minute the what that, that I'm calling you to. Okay, it's not about me uh, you know, uh, conquering Caesar. And I'm going to take just a moment here while we're on this, and, and you ready for this? We're going to talk politics. You ready? I mean, hey, Super Tuesday's coming up, and it's an election year, and I, here's who you ought to vote for. No, I'm not going to. Uh, actually, I'm going to do a, somewhat the exact opposite. Okay? I want you to see why it is that we're not going to talk a ton about po- politics. And hey, this is the answer, simply state it like this. I want to say, my hope. For this country, for our lives, for our future, is not in politics. I just wanted you to know that. And I think that what we're supposed to be about here is about that kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what he said. He said, I'm not going to be preoccupied with Caesar and what's going on there. Hey, let's, let's come back and focus here. And that's what I want to do here. Now, listen, if you're passionate about a particular party or candidate, more power to you. And I don't mean that sarcastically. That's good. But for here, that's not why we're here. If that makes if that makes any sense, uh, and and hopeful hopefully it does somewhat. So you know, and I never want anybody to walk through the doors out here and leave and say, hey, you know what? I'm not. Uh, I just don't fit there because they have different political views. Because that's not what we're about. Does that make sense? I don't want anybody to think, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a donkey and they're a. <laughs> What's the other thing? Elephant, <laughs> or I'm an ele- or I'm an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> you wondered where I was going with that, uh, but are there or a bunch of donkeys or what? Whatever, uh, that, you know. I don't. If, if that makes any sense, this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, the, the let, let's get our focus right here. Uh, let's understand where it is. This is what you guys keep coming back to. Could you understand that my kingdom is so much bigger than this? It's not about this. It's not about freeing you from Caesar. That's not what I'm coming to do. Yes, there's going to come a day when Jesus is going to establish a kingdom on this earth, but let's not worry about that. The times of that, it's not for you. And then he's going to go on in the next verse and say, hey, here is what this is all about. Here's what the book of Acts is all about. Here's what You know, James mentioned, you know, we focus on our connection to God, our connection to each other, and our connection to our purpose. He's going to say, hey, here is what our purpose is all about. And verse 8 then becomes the key to not only the sermon today, but I think to the entire book of Acts. And he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And as we, we look at this verse, verse number 8 here of chapter 1 of Acts, I want to l- notice and get, get our attention on three different ideas that, that I think uh, are very shaping for what the church should be. And the first one is just the idea that the power is the Holy Spirit of God. The power for what we're doing is the Holy Spirit. Now, as we talk about this for, for a couple minutes, I think many times in church, in life in general, and even in the Christian walk, we avoid talking some about the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's easy to talk about Jesus and God and the Bible, but uh, the Holy Spirit, that's a little scary here. What's that all about here? It's, a, it's like a wind that comes, and we don't understand them, and, and we're a little afraid. In fact, uh, sometime in the last couple of weeks, uh, one of the bus drivers that. here, down here asked me they said now at your church uh do you have that uh, do you do a lot of dancing in the aisles and uh i said well on the days when we're not handling snakes yes uh but we, we do quite a bit of Now, i think they know me well enough to know i was kidding i actually didn't say that uh but uh but uh, you know I, I was thinking about that we do do some dancing in the aisles but that's only because when I get excited sometimes I lose my balance and I f- fall out here a little bit uh, but uh, generally there's not a lot of dancing in the aisles and if there's snakes I'm out of here because uh, I'm scared to death of that but do you do you know what I mean even just when you hear that phrase oh this church they really emphasize the Holy Spirit uh oh what's that mean uh, are, we, are, are we going are we going crazy or are we are we, are we gonna you know uh Francis Chan called the, uh, he wrote a book where he called the Holy Spirit the forgotten God because for a lot of people, we're so afraid of this. We're not really going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit here in church. Uh, but, you know, we've we got to keep that done because we're afraid, hey, we, we don't want to turn this into some type of just an emotional experience, and somehow we equate that and we think that. If I could address that just for a second, we are designed with emotions, okay? Being emotional, not bad. Okay. in fact to be very honest with you if you're gonna keep me from getting excited some of the things that we sing in worship and I get to talk about you're gonna have to get some duct tape uh, and just wrap me up and, and hold me I can't help I mean it's just I'm gonna I'm gonna be like that I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a little ex- excited and uh, I just Again, just can't help. That's the emotions, and that emotion is not wrong. It's not. I, I was thinking, Jeremy, you know, in most of the songs or a lot of the songs, especially if we're singing about the resurrection, you kind of have a, a tone where it's like, you know, and we're in the grave and it's sad and everything like that. And, but, bah, 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 hey, he's alive. And I was thinking, shazam, you know, and, and that kind of plays our emotions a little bit. You know, we're like, yes. Uh, I, can't, I, I can't, can't believe you, and Jeremy starts drumming a little harder, and the voice gets louder, and David comes in on the drums, and, and yeah, here we go. I don't have any problem with that at all as far as, emo- we're emotional, that's good, but we do need to realize that if all we have is emotions, and all we have is that excitement, very simply, it doesn't last. You know, it, it'll last till the circumstances change a little bit or till you walk outside or, or something like that. I'm not against the emotions. I'm just saying that's not all there is to coming to church, having, having a good time like that. So uh, so on the one side, we're a little afraid of him. On the other side, and this phrase might bother you a little bit that I put up there, elevated out of misunderstanding. Now, shouldn't we elevate him? He is a member of the Trinity. Yes, sh- should be. And how can you take the Holy Spirit of God, and elevate him too much. But I don't really even mean to say that, but I think it is important that we understand that he is in no way a lesser God, okay? Uh, Jesus was co-equal with God, the Holy Spirit co-equal, okay? The same, there's no, there's no difference there. However, they do have different roles, and I think we miss that concept sometime, you know. We talked about that in the church sometimes we miss. A different role is not necessarily a lesser role. We talked about that when we were talking about the body of Christ. You know, does the ear say, hey, I'm not that important because I'm not over here or whatever like that. We have different roles. They're not less important. And in the Spirit of God, this is not like, uh, I'm sorry, in the Trinity of God, it is not like, okay, because he has a different role. And one of the, the, the things that the Scripture teaches us about the Holy Spirit is he has come to make much of Jesus and lift him up. And if he becomes the everything that we're all about is talking about him, then that's, where, that, that's what I meant by elevated out of misunderstanding. We, we kind of missed that idea. Now, to be very honest with you, in our church here, if we lean, if you want to say one way or another, because of my background and because of our church background, we probably lean to that whole idea of avoiding him a little bit. We don't talk much about the Holy Spirit, like we're a little afraid to talk about him. But so as we go through the book of Acts, one of my prayers is that we'll really grow in our understanding of who he is, what he has come to do, and and, uh, and the, the role that he has in, you know, in our everyday lives. And then we'll, we'll embrace that idea and really learn what the Bible has to, say, has to say about him. Because I think sometimes we steer away, but no doubt about it, the power... Uh, that that he's talking about there is the Holy Spirit. And that power is given to us for a purpose. And that purpose, the Scripture says there in verse number 8, is that we will be witnesses. Now, let me, let me think about that here for a second again with you or get you to think about this with me. Again, when you hear that phrase, you will be witnesses, I don't know what comes to mind. I think for some of you, you might think, okay, does this mean we all need to Grab a uh, portable microphone and a soapbox, and we need to go out and start preaching on the street or or, or something like like that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be a witness. I got to tell everybody in that way. First of all, if you can find a crowd on the street around this part of the world, <laughs> I think you might have to go to Chicago to do that. Uh, or maybe you think, okay, that means I'm gonna, you know, I'm supposed to go out and knock on doors in a neighborhood or whatever like that. That what it means to be witnesses. But I think this idea goes so far beyond that that we need to. Uh, that we need to spend a little bit of time looking at it because the statement here is declarative, not imperative. And what I mean is this is not, in, in the language of, of Scripture, this is not of saying, go and be witnesses. This is not saying, uh, you know, this is your job, so now go. That's not what this verse is saying. It is saying the Holy Spirit is going to come into your life, and he is going to make you a witness, you are a witness. It's a declarative statement. This is who you are. This is now your identity. You are a witness. So what God's Spirit does, to, okay, so, so it's not saying, okay, you're supposed to be a witness, so one hour a week, go be a witness. It is saying this is who you are. This takes over your life. So God's Spirit enables us to live a life that testifies that Jesus is Lord. That's good. I don't know where I read it, but let me say that again. God's spirit enables us to live a life that testifies that Jesus is Lord. So that means in the way we conduct the different areas of our life, and the way that, that plays out, we are to we are his witnesses. In our financial world, in our business world, in our families. Uh, Chris was telling me in their small group, they're going through a, a couple's uh, Bible study focusing on marriage, and it's and it's saying, hey, how incredibly powerful that witness of that marriage relationship and that strong relationship is, that we're testifying about Christ through our marriage. And, you know, even at uh, A.J. and Amanda's uh, wedding last weekend, I wanted to emphasize that idea that God has chosen to use marriage as a picture of His love relationship and how powerful our witness can be. So in our marriages and in our families, with our children, and and in our schooling, and in everything, we are witnesses. My tendency sometimes with that is to say, so you need to be careful how you act, okay? And I guess that's right, but I kind of caught myself on that one because I don't like the word act, even though that's the name of the book we're going through. I don't want to tell you, hey, act a certain way. If I could illustrate for a second, my son um, started teaching this year, and so last summer, he said to me, he said, Dad, you know, you were a teacher for a long time. He said, what advice do you have? And I said, uh, don't. No, I didn't say that. Uh, I did not say that at all. I, I, said, uh, I said, well, I said, I think the teachers that have had the most impact on me in my life and that I watch had the most impact are those that uh, care about their kids. And, and by the way, thankful. I've seen that so many times uh, in some of the local schools in the Penn District. I, I've seen that and seen that in the Edwardsburg District. I love that when, when, par- when parents are, you know, I'm sorry, teachers are invested and they care. But, you know, so, you know, he was kind of like, okay, so I have to communicate that to them that I care about them. I said, yeah, but I said, more importantly, you have to care about them. I said, kids are smart. Uh, and uh, they're not, they're not going to be fooled. They're going to know who really cares and who doesn't okay so bottom line what i'm telling you is you want if you want them to believe that you care about them very simply you're going to have to care about them you see people you know we say this sometimes in christianity that hey people ought to see something different about you because of jesus well they will see something different about you if there is something different i I have a weird illustration that that i want to tell i I don't know if this will connect or not i'll have to ask my wife later if this makes any sense but uh it it does a lot to me um When uh, we used to live in McKinley Terrace, some of you might know where that is. If you're at Movies 14, it's kind of diagonal across there, across Edison. The houses in there are jam packed together. Uh, Our house was 950 square feet, and then there was like two feet and then our neighbor's (laughs) house—not quite, but they—they're really a great trick or treating neighborhood. Oh, you could kill it. Uh, But but anyway, when we lived there, uh, you know, I was determined I wanted to be a witness to our neighbors. And, you know, so I was trying to do all the, you know, I'd see them out there, hey, neighbor, uh, like that. And if he's out working on something, I'd jump in and help. I remember one day they were digging up for a patio, and I threw my shovel over the fence. And ju- I was younger then. I jumped over the fence. Uh, you know, and then I'm, I'm digging everything like that, you know, kind of like I'm going to jolly a little day. And kind of, kind of build a friendship, you know. Kinda, but I was really, actually, they used to refer, and some of you will remember this from the old Saturday Night Live. They used to remember my, or refer to my wife as the church lady. <laughs> Sorry, I just think that's funny, but if you have no idea who that is, uh, but uh, in that special. But anyway, uh, the, some, of you, some of you might remember, remember that character, and they thought we were just a little bit weird. One day, I was out. Um, I had I an Isuzu rodeo, and I decided I was going to change the spark plugs. And I kind of have a tendency to jump into things and not have any idea what I'm doing. You know, I didn't know those little wires have to be in a certain order. No idea. I just thought you'd take it off, put it on, reconnect it. Uh, so that's what I did. And uh, I'm trying to start that thing, and it's spitting and backfiring all over the place like that. So my neighbor's outside, and, uh, and he strolls over, and he spends the next – it took, it took a while because we didn't have any type of diagram for us to figure out the order that they were supposed to be on there. But he came over and kind of rescued me. I don't know how to say this. <laughs> I'm trying to illustrate I wasn't, wasn't sure if this does or not. But that changed the whole dynamic of our relationship. It was, it was a short time after that that actually he came to know Christ and, and his family. But that event changed it because it was no longer just kind of, these are the things I'm supposed to do and everything. But there was like this organic relationship and friendship that changed when he came over to help me too. And then all of a sudden, hey, we were actually just kind of neighbors that were doing life together. And theres I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but that's what I see here. You're supposed to be a witness in life. You know, it doesn't mean, well, I have my checklist of what I'm going to do. It. Yeah, there's a, there's a sense of being intentional. I, I'm not saying there isn't and, and that we should have a plan, but basically, uh, I'm to be a witness every day in my life. Um, I'm supposed to lean into the fact that the Holy Spirit is is in my life. I'm supposed to recognize His presence, be yielded, and be dependent upon Him. You know, sometimes when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of, you know, these dramatic events and this miraculous, and I don't want to make fun of the miraculous or discredit it at all. I'm praying for the miraculous, uh, and uh, I'm going to continue to pray, uh, you know, for healing in people's lives and for God's miraculous work there. That's what God has told me to do, and I believe in the miraculous. But if you think think about it, the miracles, even the Bible, a lot of times uh, right after a miracle, people weren't following Christ wholeheartedly. For example, what, when we think of miracles, what word do we use as an adjective? Boy, that was like a Red Sea miracle. Have you ever heard that expression even outside of the Bible? That was a Red Sea miracle. That was crazy. Do you know that after God parted the Red Sea uh, as a matter of days and the people are living in all types of wickedness and sin and uh, uh, adultery. They kind of went away from it. what I'm saying is the supernatural work of God's, God's Holy Spirit, is not just these dramatic big events, but is a day in, day out, I'm learning to uh, walk with him and rely upon him and see a transformation in my marriage and in a kiss. And sometimes it's over a period of time, and, and we watch, you know, different things like that. But that's what it is to be a witness, okay? I am, he's made me a witness. And he, powerfully working in my life, is going to take that witness, and he is going to magnify it, and he is going to use it. As I learn to love, as I learn to trust him, as I learn to, other, to others, he's going to work it. If I could illustrate uh, with one other thing like that as far as just in the everyday life aspect. Um, a few weeks ago uh, on a snowy morning, my wife uh, got to meet another driver. A uh, girl came across the lane, and, and our our car went to, went to be with Jesus. Uh, Francis is fine, but our car is no longer. Uh, and we had to, uh, uh, you know, find a new car. And it, it's kind of weird. We got, are you ready for what we got? We got a Subaru. Ooh. Uh, we got a Subaru Forester. Now, I was familiar with Subaru Outbacks, but I didn't really know Foresters too well. You know, now, you'll know what I'm talking about. The last few weeks, they're everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? never saw them before, but now kind of looking for them. I'm aware of them. So they're everywhere. Everybody has a forester uh, like that. Now, the idea that I want to communicate here is when it comes to the Spirit of God, He is present in our life, and He's working our lives. But I think sometimes it's like we're not looking for what He's doing. You know, we're not aware of that. But this, the Spirit of God is to be part of our daily lives. You are a witness at home, Today in a restaurant, this afternoon, uh, at the movie theater, at the you know, in your when you're driving down the road, uh, you are a witness, and God's Spirit works in us to love people. Now, the last part of that verse, um, we'll develop some more in future weeks, but it says we will be witnesses in Jerusalem. Kind of the idea of uh, you know, our Jerusalem is the area local. Let's go Granger and the Berg and Niles and Cass. That's our Jerusalem, uh, and then you got Samaria. No, wait. What I miss? Judea, thank you. Uh, I knew I missed something. Judea is is going to be that the bigger area as we spread out from there. Samaria is the neighboring area, uh, which, by the way, just that statement breaks down any type of ethnic barriers. Uh, but and then and then to the uttermost parts of the world. So it, it's kind of saying, hey, here's. But if we could just sim- we'll develop that more in in future weeks. But if I could just simplify it today and just say that God is all about us having an outward focus. So his plan then is that we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other most parts of the world that that will go out like that. And I'm not even going to develop these three ideas today other than just to say that, hey, what God has called us to is this outward focus. Now, there is a quote at the top of your bulletin. If you have that, if you put that away, hopefully you didn't roll up your gum in that section of the bulletin. And you can see it because up at the top there, there's a quote that says this. God has set me in a strategic place to love others. God has set me in a strategic place to love others. As we talk about this idea of being the church, I want us to really embrace that concept. God has put me where he has... Now, hopefully you're you're, you're playing along at home, uh, you know, uh, in your brain and you're thinking about, okay, you know, where is it that God has me right now? In what situation? Hey, in what circumstance has God placed me that this is where God wants me to be, and he has strategically placed me to love others. Can, can, can you imagine if we really took that as our approach in life, that hey, this is something that God, has, that God is, is doing, that God has done, and I begin to see the circumstances and the people in my life as God has put me in that person's life. Why? Because God wants to love them, and that's why I'm here. And how radically that could change our, our approach as we uh, you know Jeremy and Dave, if you come, come back up we're going to close by singing that, that song again uh, is that the one we're singing resurrecting okay <laughs> whatever huh? the, they're actually forming a band they're call themselves the Pink Brothers no not quite uh, Salmon the Salmon Brothers that's right but um, <laughs> As we, as, we, as, as we sing in closing, I, I want to invite you to a couple of different things. I, I, I really would like you to think about that, that last phrase we looked at. looked at, And that is that idea that God has strategically placed you. What grade are you in? 10th? 9th? Did you flunk? Okay. Uh, okay. In 9th grade at, at Edwardsburg School. God has strategically placed you at Notre Dame. God has strategically placed you uh, over there on Brush Road Redfield Road uh, I don't know where he lives But if you, you can kind of think through that and Say where, where is God has it? God has me uh, The kids that God has, has put in my life God has strategically placed me in that way If you could just kind of process that And say Lord okay What's that look like And if we could try to In moving forward just begin And we're going to talk a lot about this in weeks to come But begin to understand that God has called us to walk in the Spirit Okay what does that mean But I want to be sensitive to his leading and reliant upon his power because I'm his witness in the world in which he has placed me. So we're going to sing together, and then we'll close in a word of prayer. So if you join me in standing, may the truth that King Jesus defeated the grave, walked out of there, resurrected in victory. May that be something that in our lives we understand that we are witnesses to that power going forward and that that same power of the Holy Spirit is in us and working so that we can live a life that lifts Jesus up as King. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-663. 2648. Thank you for listening.